Hello, and welcome to the FEZ show. This is the first show that we've actually filmed in the evening, so it's currently the 15th of June, but when you will see this, it will be the 16th of June. So, we have quite a bit to talk about today, so joining me on the show is William Dodds and Jack Pickering. Evening, boys! Good evening. Yeah, thank you for doing this at a time where I'm not, uh, uh, where, 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 where I'm actually awake, fully dressed and sober. So thank you so much for this. Yeah, it's, it's a bit better than our 9.45, like a roll call. I think that's probably the correct term, um, Will. Yeah, so I've actually managed to take kind of five minutes out of my revision schedule to, um, to do this. Because um, I have my, my exam on Thursday, so... Which we thank you for doing it. Which we, what exam are you doing? So it's my it's my last uh, journalism exam, uh, which is PR and communications for journalists. Which you know, seeing as I actually have worked in a PR agency in the past, I am hoping that I will be okay. In, but you never know. Oh, mate, I'm sure you'll be fine, and we're we're all rooting for you here on Thursday. But thank you so much for coming on the show. First thing I want to talk about, which probably doesn't even involve you two quite yet. Um, obviously, we launched a Twitch channel, okay? And our first Twitch stream will be tomorrow. So come along. You'll be watching this probably about 5 p.m. So hopefully in about 8 p.m. So in a couple of hours time, you know, get your dinner, you know, settle down, get your evening sorted, head over to the Formula Rezone Twitch channel. There will be a link in this YouTube video. We'll be playing Motorsport Manager and there is a poll that has gone out and it's just finished. So we'll be making tesla tesla was the, the team the car manufacturer everyone had chosen so we'll be creating tesla and obviously having a really bad tesla car to begin with and trying to see how we can do in formula e and joining the formula e good but let's talk formula e because the first thing i want to talk about jack is is formula e the hardest sport to restart now why i'm saying this is one reason really you know, Formula One, let's take Formula One, for example. They're going to Austria, they're going to Silverstone. You know, they're in, you know, isolated locations where there's a racetrack where they can easily go racing. Formula E have to go into city circuits, okay? Now, and obviously, we might be going to Berlin, but let's maybe think long-term, you know, and, and even maybe generating a calendar um, for next season. It must be so hard right now because Formula E has to go into city centres. So, if... City centres are in under lockdown still, or you know, still a bit iffy about COVID nineteen. I reckon Formula E is probably the hardest series or sport right now to get restarted. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Firstly, I just want to point out that if you if if you are tuning into the Twitch stream, it's ch it's tonight, not tomorrow, because we're recording this a day earlier. So yes. remember that. So tune in in a, in a few hours' time. Um, but yes, no, this, this, this really is one of the hardest uh, championships, especially in motorsport, to restart because, uh, because the whole city centre um, uh, business. Um, yeah, I think, we, uh, I, I think I remember seeing an article a few months ago saying we may not be able to race in cities for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, no, this is this, and, and that's what fueled the talk of maybe going to a different track, maybe going to a Valencia, maybe going back to Donington or something like that. However... What it's now looking like is that we're going to have a few races in Berlin and then head to potentially Seoul. Um, I'm not 100% sure if this is going to be the, the best option. Um, however, it does seem to be the way that we're going. Uh, so, yeah, I think for, for Formula E, they, and 
uh, they can't get ready as soon as other championships can. But also for Formula E, they have a lot less pressure on them. All they have to do is complete the season. Whereas Formula, uh, Formula One and MotoGP and all these other series, they need to start their season and then from that complete enough races that, that it constitutes a championship. We just need two more official rounds for it to be uh, counted as an official championship and not be null and void. So it's possible. However, I'm not sure about the whole, the whole idea of going to Berlin. And so, yeah, I'd say finish the season permanent tracks and then maybe consider going back to street tracks for season seven. So, Will, we spoke to Nick DeFries, um today, actually, and he was all for, obviously, the restarting in Berlin. He was against going to uh, permanent circuits because it's against the DNA of Formula E. So he felt that going to city circuits, and obviously Berlin makes sense because it's in an airfield. But bearing that in mind, let's say Formula E have also, yes, we've just got to finish the season, that's fine, but we've also got to sort out calendar for next season. And that could be more tricky to actually sort of you know put together at this precise moment with the world that we're in because we don't know what's going to happen whereas if you're in an isolated area like a formula one track for example then it's easier to go you know what we can just pop around to this place and do a race whereas formula e there's so many permutations that could stop us from even releasing a a season seven calendar when they want to yeah it's difficult um I guess the thing is that at this point, we don't know too much about what the future is going to hold with regards to COVID. I think that at the moment, and rightly so, the focus has very much been on getting a season completed in our case, in Formula E's case. And in the case of you know Formula One, MotoGP, IndyCar, it's been about getting a season started and trying to kind of get up to that, that kind of number of races they need to have a challenge, uh, calendar. And as a result, there hasn't been a huge amount of focus on kind of 2021 or in our case, uh, 2020, 2021. Um, so I think that in terms of finishing this season, I understand the, the logic with going to Berlin, but maybe Formula E will have to potentially tweak its DNA in the future if challenging in city centers or on street tracks becomes more difficult. Uh, as we reported on the website recently, um, Assen is a circuit, you know, this is a permanent circuit that's potentially under consideration. Uh, we've heard murmurings of potentially going to Valencia or going to Donington. So maybe this is something that Formula will have to adapt to. Obviously, we don't know what the situation is going to be with regards to crowds being allowed. And, you know, if, if having crowds becomes easier, then I think that street circuits again become a possibility. Um, but I think that with uh, the urgency of getting this season on, potentially the thought hasn't been put in yet to, to kind of consider in the future. And a lot of that will depend on the kind of pandemic situation. But also if Formula E is willing to potentially try this new route of uh, looking at permanent circuits like, uh, like Assen, like Donington and like uh, many others, I'm sure would be really excited and interested in holding a Formula E race. I suppose, Jack, like the thing that worries me and I think what worries a lot of people is, you know, people don't want to go to normal racing tracks, okay? And therefore Formula E gets compared to a Formula One car. Or even if we go to Valencia and it gets compared to a MotoGP bike, for example, right? People still don't want 
that comparison to Formula E to be, you know, compared to a Formula One if we were to go to a track where a Formula One car has been before? Well, yeah, that's obviously like the main thing. I remember they were comparing, uh, I remember seeing a video once where they were comparing season one Formula E to the 2014 Mercedes. Uh, That is not a comparison that you can do. You cannot have a sport in its infancy and comparing and compare it with the most dominant force in the most, in the most prestigious motorsport uh, uh, series. It's not, it's, that's not something that, that you can do and you can't expect for Formula E to be a quick right from the off. Yes. The, Yes, the potential has improved over the last um, over the last few years, and they are a lot quicker than they were. I remember seeing a uh, a video of season one Monaco versus season five Monaco for Formula E, and they were substantially quicker. And the thing is, na- na- nowadays, I mean, yes, we aren't as quick as Formula One. That's that's very clear to see, and and there's no there's no way that we can change that. But I think I. I think it. I think it's fine for. I, I think it's now fine to head to these circuits and, and 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 potentially just and potentially do some laps. I think we are quicker than MotoGP. I'd be surprised if we're not. But um, uh, but yeah, there will still be the whole Formula One comparison thing. But at the end of the day, let it happen. Who cares? Yeah. For me, I I'd like us to stay on temporary street circuits because that is the dna and and i don't want us to lose sight of that because i remember the story about uh you know potentially racing into on normal circuits for up to three years and i was like well that just that's just a gateway into moving away from what formula e believe in and in bringing because once you start doing something and you start repeating it then it's like well we've been doing it for three years so we might as well you know, just carry on doing it because, well, it's worked and people are still interested and people are still coming. So we can have a mixture of street circuits and and normal circuits. And I, I, I honestly, I don't think, um, you know, we want that in Formula E. I think we started by bringing it to the cities and I hope Formula E stick with that. I hope they still bring it to the cities. But personally, I still think that does make it harder for them to potentially restart and obviously getting a calendar ready especially if you know we're seeing brazil i know formula e isn't um in brazil uh, at the moment but obviously they're getting a second wave china might be getting a second wave and if there's any cities that are around that area that all of a sudden becomes a huge issue for formula e to potentially go there so whereas if you go to an isolated place like a track like we said earlier you know you might be able to get away with it if you are in a controlled bubble which i think formula e will find extremely hard but what i want to move on to though Let's break away from this and talk about Porsche. Because obviously we had a huge announcement, Will. And obviously you weren't on the show for when, it, when it broke. So it'd be great to hear your thoughts about it. Is Pascal Verlein. Obviously Pascal Verlein said that he was leaving Mahindra immediately. Now, interestingly enough, yes, Pascal Verlein has um, like basically told the world. But there hasn't been any official confirmation from Mahindra nor Porsche. So what my feeling is, is are we, because there's been no confirmation about this from either party you know are we expecting now maybe Neil Yarny to actually finish the season with Porsche maybe he fought he fought for that he said no let me finish the season that's part of my contract I don't want that to you know be inflicted in any way and you know Pascal Valen's just gonna have to sit on the sidelines until season seven starts um so my I guess my initial reaction is that 
in, in terms of why this hasn't all been completed yet, I think that's just kind of a formality. I highly doubt that Verline would have gone out and made that announcement on his Instagram if yeah, he wasn't pretty certain that he'd be driving a Porsche either towards the end of this season or next season. So I think that's pretty much a formality. In, in terms of the decision itself, I think it's a really good move for Verline. This is not to besmirch, besmirch um, Mahindra in any way, but you know, as a German driver, Porsche is a huge German manufacturer and one with a huge amount of history and a huge amount of potential in Formula E. So I think it's a smart move from him. Um, and in terms of the season, I would have thought that Johnny pretty much has a contract to the end of the season. Obviously, there might be um, performance clauses in there, which means that they maybe can take him out if they can get Verline in that seat uh, sooner, because obviously he has, um, he has kind of ended his relationship with Mahindra immediately as far as you know we're concerned from what we've seen from his uh, social media so you know i imagine if if mahindra uh, sorry if porsche think that they can get verline in the seat and he can do a better job than Gianni was doing which i think that he probably could given that Gianni's kind of yet to score despite the fact that lotter has kind of been in in super pole a number of occasions now then i think they'll try and do that but you know whether that is kind of part of Gianni's contract remains to be seen um so yeah, I, I think that Yanni deserves probably the opportunity to finish the season. He's had six races and he was, you know, not got the same kind of uh, consistent running experience that someone like Lotter has had in Formula E. So maybe it just was a bit of an adjustment period. They've obviously acted fast, but I think also for a talent like Verline, it makes sense to act fast. And I think that he he's a young driver with a huge amount of potential who's admired not just in Formula E, but kind of in Formula One as well. So it makes sense, but uh, you know, I think Yanni deserves the end of the season to maybe try and earn himself another seat. Jack, honestly, I think that you know Porsche—they're in a tricky situation. Um, they've got, you know, Neil Yanni is a Porsche driver, for example. Okay, so just kicking him out is a bit harsh. He's obviously he's part of their program, so I don't think they'd want to do that to him. So I have a feeling that they're in a tricky situation. They might say, "Look, Neil, we've decided to go to Pascal for season seven, just to let you know." But we'll give you, because you've been on our books for ages, we're not just going to shaft you and, and, and kick you out. We'll let you go and finish the season. But just to let you know, you know, do what you can for this season and see if you can get a seat elsewhere. Yeah, no, I think that would be fair to Neil Yanni. Um, as, as I've mentioned before, he has had a torrid Formula E career. Yes, he's done fantastic things outside of this sport. But in terms of Formula E... He originally came in in season four for Dragon and had uh, a horrible weekend in Hong Kong and was subsequently dropped for Jose Maria Lopez. Um, and, and, uh, and I know for certain that, um, that he described that as one of the worst uh, weekends of his, his driving career. Um, however, he was given a second life in, at, uh, at Porsche and unfortunately it's been more of the same for him. It's just... It just hasn't clicked in the way that it had it, that it did with um with Andre and the Chichita back in um back in season four because we saw him struggle for, for for the first few races and then we went to Santiago and he just he just uh, he just shot to the top of the table almost immediately um and so yeah I think it I think it is a massive shame for Neil Yarny I think it's fair that he sees out the season um which is even more confusing on why Verline has apparently jumped early, but um, 
yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting on whether or on how it happens, whether Pascal is going to be in the seat or whether Neil sees out the season. It's, it's, it's something that we are yet to see. Yeah, which is what I'm thinking. Like, obviously, this is all speculation. Like, we it's interesting that obviously Pascal's announced it on social media, probably from the pressure that the media have put on in terms of you know saying that he's moving to Porsche. He, he I don't know, went against everybody and announced something because it's just interesting that both parties actually haven't said anything. But we have had conversations with Mahindra, which basically have confirmed that Verline has left and they will be announcing a new driver lineup uh, for next season. But I just think it's it's interesting this sort of the way and obviously with COVID-19 that it's played out it's 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 a really odd situation and the fact that we haven't heard anything now for at least five six seven days a week that um I find that quite interesting but a question will that I asked Jack last time um and I did I have asked Dealbag this and we put in a request to to interview Dealbag and it'll be a question that we sort of you know want to bring again like Mahindra are a fully fledged manufacturer they're huge in India but they obviously being in Formula E is obviously making them more of a global brand. Like more people now have heard of Mahindra. I'm going to be honest. I didn't hear of Mahindra before Formula E. And now so they've got a more of a global presence just by being in the series. But because they're not that big name, they had such a great driver in Pascal Verline. And one of the best. And Mahindra have been one of the better teams in Formula E. So to lose him to Porsche just because what Porsche, you know, is a well-known brand and, and could potentially go very far in this series. And that's potentially two drivers, you know, Felix Rosenquist that they lost to IndyCar, now Pascal Vallon, two top drivers that they've lost. And I'm just starting to think if they're starting to get annoyed that people are just jumping ship because not many people have heard of Mahindra. I think, I think it's potentially more than just Porsche's name as well. You know, we should add that they have actually been pretty impressive, especially in qualifying in their short, um, kind of stint in Formula E. Uh, I mentioned Andre Lotter's qualifying record, and you know I think we'll all acknowledge that Yanni hasn't quite lived up to expectations. So you know maybe Pascal Verlaine's looking at that situation and thinking, you know what what could I be doing in that car potentially um, to extract more? And you look at Mahindra. Um, we know how good D'Ambrosio is as well, and they're not, you know, they're tenth in the standings. They're not exactly kind of reeling in the points this season. So. I can see from Verline's perspective, if you even kind of take out the the Porsche German aspect and just the kind of size and reputation of that that team. You know, Pascal Verline, they've jumped ship from Mahindra. They had Felix Rosenquist as well, so two huge drivers effectively who have jumped ship and you know gone to different. Well, Rosenquist went to IndyCar, but you know Verline went to Porsche, and that's a big name. When Mahindra isn't that big name globally, yes, they're becoming much more of a global brand because they're in Formula E, but you know, just because they're not as well known, they've lost out potentially on two huge drivers. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that firstly it would be wrong of us not to kind of acknowledge the the huge amounts of success that Mahindra have had in the series. And, you know, for, uh, it's very much kind of like a Eurocentric series in terms of, kind of where the teams are based, uh, the drivers, uh, some, much of the calendar, although that, that is kind of not so much of a factor. Um, and they, yeah, they've done, they've done really, done really, really well. But um, for, a, for a brand that is, you know, not as big in, in Europe as, you know, the likes of Mercedes, Audi, BMW, Porsche, you know, these are huge manufacturers with quite storied history in most sports. So 
just competing with them is always going to be difficult in terms of in terms of resource and in terms of reputation. So, you know, I think they've done an exceptional job, and you know, unfortunately for them, Formula E is becoming a very popular location for some of the biggest manufacturers in the world, and you know, that is just going to put them at something of a competitive disadvantage when it comes to attracting attracting drivers. And you know, they're not having their best season, and Porsche looks like a, a good opportunity for Verline. So. You can see why it's a difficulty, but uh, you know Mahindra have still got Jerome D'Ambrosio, who's an incredibly good driver. And as we know, Formula E is becoming something of a, a destination for you know drivers who don't maybe quite make it to Formula One or you know don't fancy moving over to America to compete in IndyCar. So there should be no shortage of of names kind of being put forward for that seat. And I'm sure that you know if they go about it the right way, they can find themselves a very talented driver to fill that seat. Jack, I think the problem that Mahindra face right now is that you know they're just they're a massive brand, but they only really sell their cars in India. Okay, and I remember mentioning this to Dilbag Gill. I think it's not going to happen overnight. If they start selling cars in America and Europe, let's say tomorrow, right? There's not going to have that brand name. They're going to have to do well in Formula E. They're going to have to start winning, and I think that could be another reason why Pascal Verlaine left. You know, look at Tech Cheetah when they were technically part of Renault. Still attractive John Eric Verne because they were, you know, obviously came season three. But, you know, they started winning, so they've kept hold of him. Okay, and they've attracted now a really good driver in Tony Felix da Costa because they're winning. And I suppose, you know, Mahindra have dropped back a little bit from that winning days when they were with Felix Rosenquist, which might have swayed Pascal Verlein into, into moving to Porsche because they're not winning anymore because it's just how competitive the championship is. But also, as a side note, if they were to start sending more cars in Europe, yes, they'll start getting more well-known, but I think they have to do better in Formula E. So if they were to switch focus and they were to come and be more of a global brand, then maybe their reputation of a racing team will will improve. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, well, well, uh, well, one thing that Mahindra did initially to make sure that they put all their assets into the Formula E project was that they they used to be a uh, they used to be a manufacturer in Moto Three, uh, as uh, uh, and and they were one of the engines there. However, however, they left Moto Three to focus on Formula E, and that and, and and that was about season two, season three. So that was when they hired Felix Rosenqvist, and Rosenqvist, I think really had a proper shot at, at, at winning the championship in um in season four and there were just a few niggling problems that meant that he couldn't i remember i, th- I think he was leading the championship going to mexico uh, he was on pole and then he had a mechanical problem there we went to rome he had um he had um well i think he made contact with i mean i, I was there i should remember it but um uh, but he made contact with uh, one of the walls, uh, and so, uh, and so, yeah, he lost. He, he lost two wins there, and and suddenly he was out of the fight. And he could have really given Jean Eric Verne a run for his money. In the end, I think he finished third, fourth, or fifth in the chat. So, so, somewhere around there. But that, but those that, uh, but that factor meant that he that he did lose out on what could have been a championship run. And then, uh, and then he got an offer that he just really couldn't turn down uh, in one of the top teams, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, in IndyCar. So he made the switch over to there, and and he and he's doing very well over there. I think Felix Rosenquist was the best chance for Mahindra to do well. Pascal Verline, I don't rate him as highly as uh, Felix Rosenquist, uh, in my opinion. 
But um, Peter, but uh, Pascal Wehrlein is still an incredible driver. And, and as for Jerome D'Ambrosio, he picks up the points when other people can't, as we saw in season five. I mean, it, the, the amount of times he was at the top of the championship, I, I, I bet he didn't want to be at the top of the championship because that meant he always went, went into group one in qualifying. But he, he was always there or thereabout until the final few races where he started to slip away. But uh, yeah, no, I think Pascal Wehrlein is going to be a massive loss to Mahindra. Yeah, and I suppose that's the sticky thing now for Mahindra is, is their name just going to affect them in the future? With all these manufacturers that are now in the series, you know, they have to win if they're going to become a success. And that's no easy, like, feat, right? So it's going to be really difficult, I think, to see how Mahindra develop. And, you know, I've always, I've always had that concern about Mahindra becoming a midfield team because, you know... They aren't just as well known, so drivers like what's happening right now might just switch teams and go to a well-known name because they think that team will, you know, it's Porsche, so they must, you know, eventually get to the top. Whereas Mahindra, you know, you're you're just hoping that they can get to the top, and you're you're not you don't have any sort of long history to sort of like say, you know, what Mahindra can can do this. They're a new team. Um, well, they are a manufacturer, but they're a sort of a new manufacturer in racing, especially in single seaters. So it'll be interesting to see how. That goes for them. But what we want to move on to now is actually, um, we just had the Le Mans 24-hour virtual race. And we wanted to discuss this because obviously a lot of time and effort has gone into this. And I suppose, Will, this goes back to what Jamie Regal said about the Race at Home Challenge, which came around very quickly. So, and obviously the Le Mans race, they had plenty of time. And you saw it with the overlays and the sort of normal straight 24-hour race which we saw which was saw the driver swaps yes they might have had problems with server issues but i suppose it has to be expected but what my main question is on terms of what we saw from the Le Mans 24-hour race which was a really good spectacle was if formula Reed just ran a 45-minute race on r factor 2 with energy management it may have been more enjoyable to just to see a normal standard race like we d- did with the Le Mans 24 hours I think that, you know, I'll echo your, your sentiment there by saying that I thought it was fantastic. I watched, you know, about 16 hours of the 24 in total and, you know, enjoyed every minute of it. So um, I think that what they did that was really good was that, one, every single driver who was competing pretty much wanted to be there. Um, it didn't look like there was anyone there for contractual obligations, the way that they kind of merge the world of, of sim driving and, and real life driving was was really effective and and really good and it made for quite an even contest that you know went down to pretty much the last kind of half an hour between the top three squads so that was something about it that was excellent another thing as you mentioned was that it was very realistic um i think other than the tire allocation so i mean i think they had pretty much unlimited access to tires it was very realistic um obviously yeah there's a couple of issues with uh, the server crashed a couple of times obviously um team redline with max and um lando norris max was and lando norris obviously had some some gremlins and and that was disappointing because they looked like a really competitive team but you know otherwise it, it was a really well done and and kind of polished um product and i think that there are definitely things that formula e could learn from this if they were to run a kind of race at home challenge in the future. I think one of those, as, as Jack mentioned, was um, the energy management 
I think that just making it close to the real thing as, as possible is, is a really good way of doing it. I think energy management, 45 minute races, and also potentially it would be about making sure that the drivers who compete want to be there and are of a certain level uh, so that it can be kind of a fair and even an entertaining contest. Um, obviously that is difficult because we want to have the big names there. And it was interesting to show that how much some of the Formula E drivers have, have thrown themselves into sim racing because you know, you've got the likes of Stoffel van Dorn and uh, Oliver Rowland and John Verne, who all did really well in the kind of general classification in, in the Le Mans virtual. So, yeah, it's clearly Formula E drivers who are keen on it. We had we saw Buemi, uh, we saw Neil Yanni. So there's definitely enthusiasm for it. It's just that I think having you know all 24 drivers and kind of forcing them, as we saw with Daniel Apt, obviously, potentially leads to a worse spectacle. So there are definitely things that it can take from it. And I think that if they are to do it in the future, I think that going for that increased realism with the longer race and the, and the energy management is definitely a way they should go. Obviously, Jack, in terms of the race itself, obviously the Le Mans 24 hour really lends itself to sharing drivers. So obviously like they had two team redline, let's just have two drivers, for example, real life drivers, say Lando and Max, for example, and then they had two sim races. It was very similar up and down the grid. I think there was one team that actually had all four um, as real drivers, but it was a great way to link sim racing and and real life drivers together, I thought. Um, do you think maybe that Formula E should have done a race, uh, virtual GP style? Allowed the drivers that wanted to be in the race, race, which probably were most of the ones that did the virtual GP anyway. And then you had that mix of sim racers that, you know, made up the rest of the grid to make it extremely tight as the Le Mans 24 hour race was. Yes, I, yes, I completely agree. I think that's what they should have done. However, then they would have branded the Race Home Challenge a copy of the virtual Grand Prix, which is disappointing. But one thing that I think uh, the virtual Le Mans that we saw this weekend, uh, uh, one thing that gave it its whole prestige is the prestige of the of the Le Mans 24 hours. It is this historic race. If you say a 45 minute round, uh, race around Berlin, I, it, it isn't as, it, I mean, that's okay, but it's not the Le Mans 24 hours on a virtual on a virtual simulator so i think i think the whole i think the whole that they had it running for uh all but a, cu- a couple parts of the 24 hours because they had server problems for for some of it but um but yeah no i think i think the prestige of that kind of helped helped it whereas with with the race home challenge it's just like uh, it's just a formula it's just it would just be like a normal formula e race there'd be nothing really that special and that's why they tried the um the format that they did the race royale format admittedly they should have done something possibly different to that i know that the, the w series have done three three races um three races per uh, per event and I feel that that's probably a better route to go down. But, but I mean, I, the, the race home challenge is now in the past. They, they they can't really change anything about that. And yeah, what's been done has been done, really. Maybe a reverse grid would have been the way to go. I was just thinking about it. I totally get your point. I totally get it in terms of, you know, it just would have been standard. There's no prestige to it. It's like, ugh, another Formula E race, which I suppose that's quite bad. We'd probably love it. But for a casual person, maybe trying to find out about racing during this time, maybe they would have gone a 
this isn't for me. Whereas maybe if they did do something like the W Series, as you mentioned there, like even to do, do two races, so you see Stoffel van Dorn having to come from the back of the grid or from 10th or something like that to win. So the top 10 is a, you know, you reverse the grid somehow. And maybe that would have been more entertaining, but you're absolutely right in the past now. So let's move on to some YouTube questions because we have a YouTube question um, and it comes from our lovely friend of the show Remco Madrill who put this question in because he's bouncing off what we discussed Jack in the last show with battery technology and you know longer races faster cars um, you know the toss-up between that and battery life and he he mentioned to us that you know hydrogen cars you know they're still being developed obviously we had the Delta wing thing which I, I think was hydrogen that was in the or the garage 56 thing that was in the Mon um, and he's saying, you know, that, that takes five minutes to charge. So maybe, you know, Formula E should maybe focus a bit more on faster cars now because maybe the range of the battery um, might not be good enough to do long journeys. Whereas if you have a hydrogen car, you just fill up for five minutes, a bit longer than petrol, but at least you can travel as as far as you like without charging. So what do you think? Do you think Formula E should, should focus on, you know, having a longer races and extending the battery range or should they go more to that sort of faster car thing based on what we now know with the hydrogen car stuff which to be honest with you i wasn't a big uh i didn't have too much knowledge about but um remco um kindly informed us a bit more about it yeah well uh, i mean it, it, it is a good question remco and i'm very annoyed that you've asked that because i don't have really much to say on it but um uh but no i think uh, I, I think as we discussed on the show last week um, I think we are going towards a going towards a kind of midway in between, so the cars will get faster and they'll be able to cover more. But uh, uh, but it's 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 not going to be so long that it's going to be like the same length as say a Formula One race. It's going to be a it's it it, it, it I don't think they're going to go anywhere near one and a half hours. They they're, they're going to make it faster and then stick maybe an uh, maybe an hour maximum limit on it because um i just don't i just don't see them going much um much longer than that in terms of um uh in terms of uh, in terms of actually wanting to have a race longer than an hour they just want to they just want to like use the they they'd want to develop the technology so it's even better and then so so they have faster cars um and for uh, for them to run and i think it would be better to see faster cars so then we can prove the ones who want to do the comparison between the f1 car and the fe car so 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 then so then they can have their they can have the lap side by side and stick it up on youtube and be like oh, okay it's not as it's not as it's not as big as it was for yeah which is i was suppose i was just thinking like i'm not the biggest um Agrees. I think it's, it's interesting what Will says actually, Will, because you know I said you know Gen three when we were talking about this, you, what step are they going to do? Obviously, Gen one we had the car swaps. Gen two we can do a full race. What battery improvement can happen? Because that's what you know a gag said. I said is the is the huge thing. So what do you think? Do you think that like they should sort of improve the battery life? Sort of maybe go for a longer race to prove that the battery has increased or do we just stick to faster cars because i suppose if we go faster and the battery can technically keep up with it we'll still have those energy management races but we'll be running at 350 or 400 kilowatts during a race rather than um 200 that we are at the moment it's interesting i guess you know the the future of motor racing and formula e is you know a, f a fascinating topic and I, I don't know if if you guys listen to the interview but I know Jean-Éric Verne 
has predicted that Formula One and Formula E may one day merge. So I think if, if that was ever to happen, obviously they would want to go towards much longer races and much faster cars. So it really depends on kind of what the, the ambition is. Um, I, I like long, longer races generally, but I do probably agree with, with Pico in the sense that Formula E probably should, should stick to, to kind of being under an hour because I think that part of its um, appeal is the kind of like quick fire, snappy race weekend, you know, get qualifying and the race done in one day, you know, gives you the opportunity to do double headers as well, um, which I think is potentially better. If they focus, if they want more racing, then I think they should focus probably more on the, um, the double headers over a weekend than potentially the longer races. Um, so it, it depends. Um, I think that, I think that obviously seeing faster cars would also be really cool, but also, you know, I, I don't think that for me watching Formula E, the speed of the, the vehicles has never been um, something that I really kind of think is makes it look like any less of a challenge. Um, you know, my interview that we did with Jamie Chadwick for, for the magazine last month, she was saying just like how difficult the adaptation is to drive the car. So, you know, add in then just going faster. I don't think it necessarily makes it, um, it, I don't think it necessarily needs to be made more difficult. There are so many different things to, to kind of be considered when you're trying to drive a Formula E car with the kind of energy management and the tightness of the circuits they race on. So I, I don't know. I think that it really depends on the ambitions of Formula E, the way that they want to go in terms of format. But I don't think there's any like one change that needs to be made. I think it's just what they feel that they can best do and best pull off. Excellent. So I think, boys, that is a show. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Uh, no worries. And just remember, just a few housekeepers. Remember, in a couple of hours' time, Twitch, Twitch link below. Come find out how Tesla doing their first race and who we signed. There's going to be real drivers in there. They're going to be much younger because I think the game starts in 2016, so it's technically season four. So we're going back in time. But do come along uh, and join us on Twitch. If you want to join the Discord channel as well, hit that link below. There's also a Patreon link, which if you love us that much, if you think, oh, just give these guys some money, like boom, 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 boom. Um, you can find that link down there as well. Please remember to like and subscribe. You've been watching the FEZ Show. Thank you so much. We will see you very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>